This is the Bedford Blues Podcast. A big hello. Welcome to a brand new venture, the Bedford Blues Podcast. And uh, I'm really pleased to be talking to you, as you can hear probably on the background, uh, from a relatively new and refurbished and looking rather special Park Inn on the corner of Park uh, Avenue and Kimbolton Road in Bedford. It is the Bedford Blues Podcast and uh, a little bit more on that a little bit later but uh, alongside me and without further ado I'll introduce two of the players because they're the people that make this sort of thing. Josh Bergier to my left. Hello Josh, how are you? Hello Sam, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. And Lewis Robling is with me as well. Hello Lewis. Hello. Uh, very good. Um, we can uh, we can get on with things. It's uh, all a bit new and a bit fancy, but um, this place looks all right, doesn't it? It's quite well, stunning, isn't it? Really, all been done out, and we've even got a, a blue microphone for that blue pod. What um, <laughs> was the coffee pod? Well, I don't know about that because I reckon we could we could let, let the listeners have a have a tinkle, but like in the blues coffee pod somewhere like that could be. A... You're, you're desperate to get a bit of coffee in there, yeah. I think. Aren't you? You've just ordered your coffee, and we had a got conversation about coffee. What yeah. did you order? What coffee did I you for order? A flat white. Flat white. Loose with flat. Black americano. There's nice. a bit of an insight. And what did you order, Sam? I ordered a. A water, a sparkling water. Yeah. You know, I'm an athlete. I don't really hear very often. It's like me ordering a decaf coffee. It's just, you don't do it, do you? I hope this podcast gets better. Pre-season, Lewis, um, does it get any easier? Is it something you can practice at or is it something you just have to suck up? Absolutely not. It's the same every year. Um, you have your off-season, sometimes four weeks, sometimes six weeks, if you're lucky. Um you come back in that first day of pre-season, you know you're going to have some sort of fitness tests and it's just, it just starts again. I mean, we're quite lucky at Bedford that we only train three times a week, so I mean, it's not as intense as some of the clubs, but at the same time, you know you're going to be in for it no, no matter what and it only gets harder the older you get. And We've done quite a few now, Josh, haven't we? Well, yeah, speak for yourself, Lou. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. It's always the same, isn't it? It's always, uh, it's always tough. Uh, it's always quite exciting as well because you get to see new lads and get to meet new people. Um, so I, I quite enjoy that, it's a good, good, good crack. Um, and within the first 10 minutes, banter's already flowing and you already know you're back. On, on that point, yeah. so obviously pre-season's all about getting fit and getting back ready for the muscle ready for the rugby season, but it must also be about getting to know people. These new boys, have they integrated themselves well? Is there any funny stories flying around about some of these new boys and what they're up to? Uh, well, I don't think we've got any stories as such yet, which I'm, I'm sure that will germinate as the name of the coffee pod may germinate uh, but no we've uh, I can't say we've got any stories as yet but like we've definitely got some characters we'll, uh, we'll say um, and everyone seems like they're gelling on well um, which is I think the main one of the main reasons with pre-season because obviously it's tough anyway but if you're doing it with your mates and stuff you're all in all in the same ship obviously best ships are friendships so uh, so yeah we all get stuck in together don't we really um, what's it like putting up with Josh and his constant ability to put the right phrase on things? I mean, if you didn't catch that one, the best ship is friendship. Would you agree, Lewis? Well, we've heard that quote every week for the last six weeks. So let's just say we're used to it. Josh has it's quite wearing. a unique role. Yeah, he has quite it? a unique role. Yeah, talk, talk to unique. me about that then. Would you say it? Fines Master? Yeah. Is the right name I'm, for the role? Or? I don't know about Fines Master. Probably Fines MC. Is that Fines, yeah, right? I like that. Just try to organise... Just to organise if, if some someone's 
not come in the right dress code, they've, they've, they've got a, they've, they've got the to have a fine it. for that. They've got to have a fine for it, haven't they, really? So, a group of us all, like, kind of amalgamate, another good word for us all there, to uh, to just make it as light-hearted, science as possible, yeah. yeah you've got, you got to, you've got to. <laughs> Can I ask about those sort of roles? Are they foisted upon you, or do you put your hand up and go for that one? Is that something, how did that come about? How did you get that role? Uh... You were very much well, forced know, into the role, weren't you? Well, like, do you know how sometimes you got a plant pot and then you put the seed in the plant pot and it's cared for, you water it, and then it kind of just formulates, germinates, and then it kind of like come. I don't know if it's like forced upon, but it's kind of like, it kind of just happens. Do you know how sometimes a flower, like a sunflower, just comes out when it just it just happens? So like, that's so how I'm going to explain that. Are you that. the plant pot or are you the seed? I'm the compost, I think. Right. I think I'm just a bit of compost, one of many bits of compost. And <laughs> oh, you lost have me. I made, have I you made lost that complicated? I've made, I think <laughs> I've complicated how, basically, it was. it's oh. just happened, a group of us, and yeah, it's just happened. Lewis, uh, you're on your way back from um, an injury. <laughs> I'm going to try and bring it. <laughs> Josh Bajir has his head in his hands at the moment. You're back from injury. Would it be unfair to say that being slightly injured during pre-season is quite a nice idea? <laughs> Or does it make it worse? I mean, you still you still have to do a lot of training. It just means you will overload one muscle group more than another, you know? So I've had a wrist injury, fractured it back in April, actually, which is annoying, but um, just four weeks ago, got it operated on, and I think I'm in a, another four or five weeks away from being fully fit. But it just means that my lower body took a batter in the last few weeks. Look at this, eh? Look at the service in the park. Lovely. Nice that's, I tell you what, a good coffee at the Park Inn in Bedford. With a smile. With a smile as well. You've made it onto our podcast. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> it is the Bedford Blues podcast at the uh, at the Park Inn uh, and Kitchen uh, on the corner of Park uh, Avenue and Kimbolton Road. Um, we are talking about Bedford Blues, but we're also talking about rugby in general. Uh, a small matter of uh, the World Cup, and one of your team members is off to the World Cup. Uh, I managed to go down and uh, walk a dog with him a little bit uh, earlier this week, and uh, we went round uh, a lovely country park in Bedford. And let's uh, hear that interview now. So we're down at Priory Park, uh, a wonderful late summer morning in August. And if you come down here with your dog on a morning, you, you may run into the person that I run into. Uh, Blues superstar, uh, USA International, Will Hooley. Good morning, Will. How are you? I'm very well. Nice to see you. Good to see you out here with your dog. You come down Priory Park. It's a beautiful place to be. It is. I stay away from the rabbits because otherwise he goes chasing after them. But other than that, it's nice to get around the lake and let him uh, get rid of all his energy. And good to uh, to have you here because um, I understand it's quite difficult to pin you down. You're all around the world at the moment, backwards and forwards, but in Bedford for a little bit and then back to the USA uh, in a, well, the end of the week, is it? Yeah, the uh, the Heathrow to Denver is a bit like a shuttle bus at the moment. <laughs> but um, racking up the air miles, put it that way, which hopefully a later date will, uh, will be helpful. But it's nice to be home. I'm only actually home for about um, 10 days, going back in on the weekend uh, to what will be part two of this odyssey that is World Cup prep and, of course, um, heading off to Japan. Let's talk about the USA's uh, World Cup prep. You've been relatively fortunate to play a, a full-blooded competition in the Pacific Nations Cup um, and, and you've, uh, you've done quite well, two out of three. Uh, let's start with the first one. You played Canada, a good win for the USA, uh, but perhaps uh, notably for you, a nice moment coming up against uh, another Blues man. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Justin Blanchett, who um, 
he came off the bench. He actually came off the bench pretty early. I think they they had an injury fairly early door. So we actually went at each other for, for most of the game. And I do remember actually in that game taking a ball out wide, stepping inside and just seeing the, the Blanchett scrum hat come scything in. Um, worried for my ACL, but I luckily uh, managed to yeah be tackled without getting damaged. But uh, yeah, that, that Canada game was was important. We had had sort of five weeks prep before that, not, not specifically for the game, but like a pre-season training camp in Colorado Springs which um, sounds lovely and you know sort of a great sort of setting in the Rocky Mountains but trust me the uh, the thin air altitude combined with the heat made training uh, not all that enjoyable but it was you know putting miles in the tank or whatever you want to call it was very important some of the toughest training I've probably done and then to sort of um, conclude with the game uh, in Denver against the Canadians was um, I guess sort of part of the um, the process of just preparation yes it was the first game of the Pacific Nations Cup but ultimately um, yeah it was just part of the sort of training program the pre-world cup build-up that we've got your second game was against Samoa uh good I suppose in a way looking at the world cup because you've got a, a similar team in the shape of Tonga in the uh, in the world cup group come against well I've come against Samoa now twice I don't really want to come across them too many more times because they uh <laughs> they're big human beings but um the one thing what you get at the Pacific Nations teams or the Pacific Islander teams I should say is um is the physicality as you can imagine um brutal especially the first of 20 minutes I remember sort of running in a few times and you know you just generally feel like you've been hit by a train but it is it's a good prep for us of course yeah Tonga being in our World Cup group but I think also the understanding that these Pacific Islander teams now are getting really quite good as well I mean they I know they've always been known to be a good rugby nations but their rugby nows and, and their game knowledge is that we've got quality players that across the forwards and across the back line. So it was good for us to, to get that experience again and get that physical hit out. I'm sure Tonga will be a completely different challenge in their own right. But, uh, you know, for us to get that win was important in quite difficult, um, nasty conditions as well with the rain and wind. So, um, you know, for us to find a way to win was very important. The third uh, game you played uh, was against Japan and a, and a team that, that many people are realising are really up for this World Cup, obviously, at home. I chatted to um, a few of the Japanese, I say Japanese, though actually it was a South African that I spoke to after the game, but he's on residency from uh, living in Japan. And, um, you know, I, I was just very impressed. How, how their coach, I think it's Jamie Joseph, yeah. the um, head coach who is fantastic. He um, And what I mean by fantastic is just, I'm seeing things that the Japanese are doing, which I'm not really seeing any other world rugby team do the uh, ability of the handling of the forwards and backs, the pace they've got, the power they've got. And people probably think the Japanese, are oh, they're quite sort of small and, you know, maybe not as physical. These guys, honestly, they were, they were hitting harder than the Samoans. And I think they're just so passionate. The thing about the Japanese you get is when they get told to want to do something, they are going to do it to the absolute best ability, like their life depends on it. And I was just, I, I just thought the whole way they play, the game plan, they've got... Um, Tamura, the, the fly half, I think is an excellent little general um, who's playing for them. And, and then, as I've already sent, said, they've got some fantastic pace and finishing ability. So I would honestly say the Japanese are not there to just get, you know, be part of their group. I think knockout rugby is definitely on the agenda. They've been with each other since February um, training. And I, I can just see this for the Home World Cup, they're, they're going to go full at it. And I can honestly see. In, I think they've got Ireland, Scotland, Samoa and Russia. They're going to, yeah, I think possibly get, get to the quarterfinals. What represents success for the United States <laughs> at the Rugby World Cup? Yeah, it's a good question because ultimately we're in a very hard group. 
France, Argentina, Tonga, and then a certain game against England. But I think, look, we obviously will be targeting to beat Tonga, um, but that's that's our last game. So I think our, our understanding is we've had a very good preparation. We've had a very good couple of years uh, as a side, and I think people are really sort of starting to take notice of us as a nation, uh, as, an, as our ability as well. And you know, Japan beat South Africa back in 2015 and everyone was very shocked about that. But the real reality of it was that Japan were a very good rugby team. I think we generally believe we're a very good rugby team and there's teams in our group who, you know, in the humidity in Japan, I've talked about the travel as well, um, you know, the possibility of the French, the, the Argentinians and of course the English who may, who may not quite bring their A game. And if they don't, then we will absolutely pounce on that and we generally believe that what we have... Uh, and the foundations we've we built ourselves on, we have the ability to shock the world. We're not just there to make up the numbers. Well, we wish you all the best. Certainly, all your Bedford fans will be keeping an eye on uh, America's development. Um, first up, you've mentioned it, England. That'll be a bit weird, won't it? <laughs> For, yeah, the hundredth time being asked. Um, look, it honestly is just another rugby game, and I think maybe only after it will I properly... Uh, you know, reflect, um, speak to the lads. Obviously, all the players England have, I've played against or played with, and have some good friends and in that side. Um, but it's it's like any game. I, I do mean that the, the international thing is it's weird. The build-ups different national anthems that might be a bit odd hearing god save the queen but to be honest i prefer belting out the stars and banners it's a much better national anthem um and then and yeah then it's just hitting hitting the ground running and if i'm so fortunate to to be playing in that game um you know it's the added incentive to um take on your mates and um and yeah play against england is pretty special Great to hear from Will Hooley and, and two things he sort of picks up on there uh, what I'd like to talk about. One, one is the group that America find themselves in, which is, of course, England's group. Josh, the USA have got their work cut out. That is a tough group for them, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it is a tough group when you look at it. You've got your Tonga, France, England and uh, Argentina. Like they're all top quality outfits. I mean, and you're not looking at any of those teams and thinking, oh, that's an easy win. Or that's uh, that's not going to be as physical game. They're all going to be right up there. But I suppose that's that's the World Cup, isn't it? You're never going to get an easy game, especially out in Japan with the weather and humidity that you hear a lot of these teams are talking about. The other mention there, notably, was about Japan and and how good they've looked. They they beat the USA comfortably. They put in an, a couple of very good displays. Lewis, will they surprise people? at the World Cup? You know, I, th I think they will, especially having spoken to Will when he was back with Joshua, he said Will was mentioning how organised Japan were, how physical they were. They've obviously, I mean, they're a home nation and you can never you can never rule out a home nation. Um, they mentioned the passion and, and, and everything they, they do is going to be with conviction. So it's the little things like, I remember Will, I'm not sure if I can say this, but I mean, Will was saying that their little forward pods, it looked like they were all trained and they've all put so many repetitions into the little skills. So the one move that they had, Will said that when they played against them, they did it like four or five times, was just, they had a little forward pod, they'd hit the first guy, and without fail, that first guy would throw a little out the back door to the nine on the way around, and, and that was drilled into every single player um, that ran that role, and it executed perfectly every time. So, I mean, I think, I think there'll be a few surprises in this World Cup, and Japan, Japan are going to be up there. Well, they've got Russia, Samoa, Ireland, and Scotland in their group, Japan, and... I think each, it is. That, it that is, is a difficult open. group yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. It's like I said, that is wide open. I mean, even if you go back to the last World Cup and you had 
and Japan beat uh, South Africa. Like, nobody thought it was coming, but now I think everyone's looking at Japan as like a real threat, as in world rugby as it as it is. So it will be um, it will be quite it will be interesting, really. So what about the World Cup as a whole? I mean, a lot of people talking about the fact that perhaps this World Cup is as wide open as it could possibly be. One of eight teams, if they can get it right over the next six, seven, eight weeks, could really put themselves in a position. Is, is that how you see it? Yeah, I mean, it's probably the team who's going to uh, can be as consistent through the through the weather as much as cause by the sound of it, the weather seems like it's going to be absolutely brutal with the humidity and stuff. I mean, you saw England going out to the visa and stuff like that to try and prepare themselves for the weather. So. I think a lot of it, the factor is how well the teams cope with the weather and then obviously injuries will come in as a massive factor but <clears throat> like you touched on earlier, it's, I think the World Cup's wide open and I think uh, it's all the team who's obviously going to get it right and deal with all those factors. How do you feel Wales are preparing? Because Bedford, if you'll excuse it, is a little bit of a Welsh enclave. We've got a, a few Welsh people at the club and you're so one of them. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we'll allow you to talk about Wales. Are they genuine prospects? Absolutely. I mean, they're number one in the world for a reason. Um, I mean, without talking about Wales, I mean, regardless, the standard of rugby is just on the rise every single year. And teams are becoming, the, the gap has been bridged closer and closer and closer one to eight you just can't you just can't put a name on it you can't put a name on it I mean I'd like to say the obvious favourites will still be New Zealand then South Africa Australia any of the Tri-Nations teams and I Japan as well like you mentioned the humidity already they're going to be accustomed to that weather so that they're going to be most comfortable I'd say of anyone I mean you can do all the training in the world but it's not you're not going to be conditioned to play rugby in those conditions you could be fit to play it to run and whatnot but playing rugby is a different kettle of fish in those conditions and teams will get used to it as well so I, yeah. I feel like that edge that they'll have will dissipate a little bit but and one of one of the teams we haven't mentioned there in that little discussion is France. Now, France, we, there is an old phrase about the fact you know, don't know which team's going to turn up, but actually in World Cups, you do. They perform really well in World Cups, France, and if they perform well in this one, they could go all the way. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you looked at it against Scotland, they're firing all cylinders in that, especially in that first game, weren't they? They look, look class, and just the size of the blokes and stuff like that is uh, obviously massive about them. Um, so yeah, you've got to, you can't can't write them off. Like I say, it could be a bit of a dark horse and go all the way. But uh, I think uh, I think England will lock it in. Okay, I'm gonna. Put... <laughs> you had to get that in there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, Wales gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the spot, and I'm gonna say that you can't choose England and you can't choose Wales. Okay, let's say that something happens to them, lots of injuries, they don't get there. I'll put you on the spot. Who wins the World Cup if it's not England? Italy. You. <laughs> Who wins the World Cup if it's not Wales? South Africa. There you go. This is the Bedford Blues Podcast. This is Grew with Will. 20 questions with Sam Lee Nickname? Lima. Position? Fly half. Left or right? Right. Light blue or dark blue? Dark blue. Flowers or chocolates? Chocolates. Instagram or Twitter? Twitter. In or out? Out. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Hugs or kisses? Hugs. Bits or no bits? Bits. Rock or more? Uh, rock. Xbox or PlayStation? PlayStation. Martin Johnson or Johnny Wilkinson? Wilkinson. Red or brown? Red. Deal or no deal? Deal. Christmas or birthday? Oh, birthday. 
Morning or evening? Morning. Nike or Adidas? Adidas. One on one, Mike or Deborah? Uh, Mike. <laughs> Now, uh, a few weeks ago, um, uh, one of the Premiership players made uh, headlines for a number of different reasons. Uh, his name was Kernan Mile. He, he, he was playing for Wasps last season. He's gone off to, to go and further his uh, education at Oxford University and took an opportunity to, uh, uh, via the pen of, of Rob Kitson, took an opportunity in which to, to sort of talk about his mental health and the way that rugby looks after it. It made us think, it probably made us all think about how we are uh, or how we look after professional sportsmen. When you read the article, what did you think about what was being said and, and as in particular rugby and potentially how you are looked after as a, as a rugby player? Did it, did it ring any bells with you? Did it, did it sort of make you think, yeah, I've either felt that myself a little bit or certainly perhaps seen other people in situations that, that, that felt like that? I think, well, first and foremost, absolute cojones on Kieran Mile for for, uh, for talking about that because obviously it's uh, well, what it sounded like in the article. He went, he was at rock bottom or he's in some dark times, and to come out and talk about it is is a massive, uh, massive obviously respect to come out and talk about it. Um, and I think it it just shows to the to people how much men, men, the mental game in rugby is how far outweighs the physicality because. You can get injured physically in rugby, and nine times out of ten, you can come back from an injury and you'll be all right. But it's dealing with mentally how you come over that injury, dealing with the pressure of the injury, and like that's just from an injury point of view. So let alone pressure of a pressure of a game, pressure of results. Because in the day, sports is results driven, and if uh, you're not getting the wins, it's it's not going the right way. And I, I mean, obviously, this is the highest level I've ever played, but I presume. The higher up you go, especially international level, the pressure just gets more and more. So yeah, I think um, it just shows the the mental aspect of rugby and how big it is, really. Yeah, I think with professional sport, there's always going to be that element of pressure, and usually the people that are able to, to deal with, deal with that in the most in in the best way, the the ones that perform the best. And I feel like with rugby in particular, there's still that stigma. Um, in terms of being a hard bloke and not talking about it, so it's gen generally like it's it's not something that's that's spoken about in rugby. And in my time in my career, I've I've never really had any sort of people talk to me about mental health in rugby. It's just been something that has been left for the individual to deal with on their own. And now, when you're in like, these high pressure situations on the field, it's part of our human nature to always remember the negatives. Depending on how passionate you are and how well you are in dealing with these negatives, it, it's, it's a massive di dictator of your mental health. And I've learned over the years to deal with it myself. As I mean, as a goal kicker and a youngster playing back in Wales for the Dragons, uh, I used I missed a lot of kicks, and I feel like I missed a lot of those kicks purely because before I've made that kick, I'm already imagining missing the kick in my head. That's and, like and mental training, isn't it's, it? it no, it really is, and a lot of it will come from from just playing and, and, and sort of getting used to it and learning how to do it yourself but we've ne I've never received any support and I really think there's a massive area of rugby that that, that could help so many young, young players, especially young players, like the older players like I've said have already had, they have their own way of dealing with it and the older you get I feel like the more you realise rugby is not the end of the world as well. Do you think rugby clubs are the, are the right place and the right environment and the right sport in which to do this because of what you mentioned about the, the, the machoism and the, and the machismo 
do you think it's exactly the right sport in which this should be addressed? Yeah, well, I think I think if you look at mental health as a whole, it's it's kind of it's kind of a new thing as such. It feels a little bit like the concussion thing. It's kind of although it's obviously been around for ages, it's kind of newly kind of talked about freely. Like it's kind of people start standing up and saying, "No, I've suffered with depression and whatnot." So it's kind of a new new thing, and I think it's. It's, it's professional sport at the end of the day. It's who can get over, train your mind to work best under pressure. But obviously, you've also got to remember when you when you're off the pitch sometimes, learning to switch off, which I think is uh, a really good point with with Bedford in, in the sense of we have a little bit, of, we have some spare time and obviously our days off where you can kind of I don't know do a bit of coaching, like I, I do a little bit of coaching on the side and it, it, it kind of helps me switch off from a rugby sense of view, uh, in the sense of playing, but also it just takes your mind away from it so you can freshen up. Have you got any good uh, tips, ways to make sure that you look after your mental health? What have you learnt along the way as to how to look after your brain? I can only speak from experience, so whether this is right or wrong, it's, it's just completely what I feel works for me. But in the past, again, I'll go back to playing as a youngster. Um, I, I went maybe three years with just finished school, just started playing professionally, and all I focused on was rugby. And the amount of pressure I put on myself to, to perform because I thought rugby was the be all and end all. Each player has their own standard as well, so if, if you're not performing, you're very self-critical anyway. And when you have coaches on your back saying you've got to perform better, it, it just everything escalates. But for me. I automatically started enjoying rugby more when I had something else to focus on. So when I started, I started my accountancy qualification in the background. That took my mind, like Josh has already said, it took my mind away from from rugby, and it instantly gave me that relief. So I'd say the one tip is to to try and fill your spare time with something else that takes that focus away from rugby. If it's something that you focus on, and you could be one of these players that lives and breathes it. I know there are players like that who, who love it, and in their spare time will just watch rugby because it's just, they love it. I'm not that type of person, so I need something to, else to occupy my mind. And for me, it, it brought enjoyment back to the sport because I started then from the accountancy, working one day a week in an office, and what that, nine till five, it kind of grounded me. <laughs> So I, I, don't want I worked. No, yeah, I worked. I worked a nine till five on a Wednesday for, for a year, and uh, realised, oh, thank God, I'm a rugby player. <laughs> because sitting, I knew then sitting at an office all day was definitely not the answer. Everyone's different, but finding something else. If you are struggling with rugby, that is finding something else to do alongside rugby is is what I'd advise to do. Strange question, Josh, but do you talk to one another? I feel like I'd always want want to be that person. Whereas if if somebody, I know I'm quite a joking kind of guy I'd always want to be that type of person if somebody needed to come and have a chat with me or I'd, I'd like to think that someone could speak to me but I, I personally haven't spoke to anybody or or ha like chatted to anybody about it but I think it's definitely the is it outlets the right word there's definitely outlets I think we where we can go and speak to people and I think in our squad there is people we can chat to which will like We'll keep it confidential if you need to confidential, or we'll point us in the right direction. Um, but I think if you look at rugby change rooms as a whole, they're very. It's um, a rugby culture, I know. Yeah, you it's very test. There's a lot of testosterone. It's very like banter. Like it's probably banter you give in uh, 
in changing rooms that probably in a normal workplace people are thinking, what are you on about here? But it makes sense in rugby. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's unique, which, which is like, the main reason why we all love rugby, because obviously it's, it's a good, good laugh, good game, and it's that camaraderie. So I think it's that camaraderie with talking about, if you have got a problem, go and have a chat, which I feel there is, there is those outlets, like we've just mentioned, in Bedford. So Is it changing, Lewis? We won't spend too much longer on this, but yeah. is, it, is it changing? Because certainly over the last five years, I, I, I've noticed a lot more conversation about it in the media. Do you feel that more professional sportsmen are perhaps just starting to open up to the potential of it? I'd like to think so. Um, there is danger of, of potentially talking about it too much, where people will get into the mindset where they think something is wrong when there isn't, when it's just a natural feeling. Um, when you I, say natural feeling, what do you mean? Like press, pressure, is, pe- pressure is natural. Um, the way you deal with pressure is completely on you, but there's, there's good pressure and there's bad pressure. The good pressure is the pressure that will enable you to perform. It's like when you're about to run onto a field and you're feeling that pressure, you've got that nervous you've energy, and without that, those, that nervous energy, that nervous pressure, you, you won't perform as well as you should do. You get that pent up energy. Um, but the bad pressure is, is the pressure that you dwell on two, three days after the game where you think about that that mistake that you made and, and it just goes round and round your head and you don't get over it and you can't move on from it. That's where you then get to the next game and you're afraid to, you're afraid to try something or you're afraid to make a mistake and you're almost playing within yourself so there's, there's different ways of looking at pressure um, but I'd say speaking about it, it on a whole is a positive thing because the first part of mental health is actually accepting that some, something is there um, and some, that, that's something you can then improve from um, it, but it's, like it's, it's such a complicated topic and I don't know enough about it to, to really delve mm. into it deeply but on the whole I think the more people that speak about it like the better definitely it's not physical training, isn't it? It's just training your mind instead of your, your exactly. muscles, your mental muscle. That's actually that's actually such a good way of putting about it. Like it's mental muscle, isn't it? It's like you've got to train to, to get a bigger bench press. Yeah. You've got to train to, be, to have a stronger mind. about in, in training? Is, it, is, is that all part and parcel of it? Because, I mean, obviously, Saturday afternoon and, and all of the big crowd and everyone watching, that puts a lot of pressure on you. But how much pressure is there in training? My, my guess is there is a fair old bit. Yeah, I think... I think pressure, you, you can put it on yourself a, a hell of a lot. Obviously there's external pressures, but a lot, for instance, I, I sometimes find myself overthinking stuff. So if I'm in training and I drop a ball or miss a tackle or something like that, there's, in the, in the moment you're kind of like, right, next job, get on with the next thing. But it's not until probably you sit down late that evening and you kind of have a quiet time, you're thinking, oh, I missed that tackle or, or what could have done different, which works and it is good in the sense of if you think about it short term you're like right I did that wrong I can fix it but it's when it if if it starts playing on you two three days after you're like end of the day I've missed a tackling training it's I know what to do to change it to get over it next training session so it's all about finding the not to overthink it too much and think right that's it next job Uh, because often in games you'll, you'll, you'll play a game and I don't know you'll you drop a ball and you're like, oh God, what have I done here? And then, but you're straight away thinking, right, next job, I've got a scrum here, or I've got a line out, and you've, you kind of focus on that job. So it's all about just kind of- Learning to accept that yeah. mistakes are gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. And the only thing you can do is, is move on from the mistake and learn from it. Yeah. And it's like, we mentioned pressure on the weekend, and then you just mentioned pressure in training in terms of making a mistake in training. Like, people are very quick to judge, judge uh, rugby players in terms of, they think, right, okay, <laughs> 
what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a rugby player. Okay, so you just throw a rugby ball, <laughs> rugby ball around all week, which is which is true, and we have a great time doing it. But at the same time, they don't understand the pressures that come with that. So, especially, I mean, it happens in Bedford in terms of performing and training because you're you're essentially assessed on um, training to for selection for the weekend, but. In Premiership squads where there are 50, 60 players, you're going to be competing against four or five people for the same position for that weekend. Now, if you think about pressure, now, rugby players' contracts are not usually very long. I mean, we get a job for three years max, two years usually, and then some one-year contract. So when you break it down, if you don't perform in training, then you're not going to get selected in the weekend. If you're not selected on the weekend, you're not going to be able to perform in front of other other teams, other clubs. And when you're not performing in front of teams or the clubs, you're not you're not in the shop window to then to, to get a job, you know. And that and that that's literally what it comes down to. So we're not only perform like thinking about performing on the weekend. The pressure escalates because we have to perform every single training session. We're all good mates. So when you think you're competing against one of your best mates for a position. That's another dynamic you don't think about. Mm. It's, I mean, it can be awful. Like, it's between you and one of your best mates to, to, to play on the weekend. So then there's that dynamic that comes into it as well, which... It's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? it? You're it friends, is. and yet you're enemies. And it must be... Oh, no, no. I use those words loosely, but you are healthy kind competition, of... It's competition, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, it's, but it's difficult. It's what Lewis is saying, it's, it's difficult to, from a mental <clears throat> health point of view, it's, it's very it. difficult to say, right, well, I like you, but I don't like you, you know, and, and that, that must be tricky. That it's, must be difficult. I like you, but if I'm going to do something to play over you, I will. And that's where that's where it becomes difficult because you don't, easy mate, you don't want to, you don't want to throw them under the bus. You know, to sim- you, but to simplify it, you're putting food on the table, isn't it? It's either going to be you or him. And he's thinking the same. It's going to be you or it's going to be him or you. So you've kind of, so you've that's, got to get over that that's well. how I think of it is at the end of the day, this is, I say it's my job, but it's something I love. I love doing. So you can't really say job, but this is my, my career. And if you want to be successful in it, it's kind of having that bit of bloodied mindset. It's that the fact that, yeah, he's my mate. Off the pitch, I love beer with him and off the stuff. But at the end of the day, I want that shirt. This is chat in a hat. Grayson Hart and Joe Rafter. Bull questions. Out of a hat. Joey, the daddy rhino. Good to be here. Good to be here, fans. Um, <laughs> good to be here, the Bedford, the people of lovely Bedford. What is something that you will never do again, mate? There's been a few things. Like, you know, I've made a few mistakes in my time. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, the thing, you know, keeping it PG comes to the top of my top of my head would be, you know, when I was at school, um, Ed Taylor, who's in our squad, would probably remember this, that I used to smash the guns, you know, because I was going out, you know, started going out, you know, a few birds interested smashing the guns, and I overdid it, and uh, I was doing my, uh, I was 16 at the time, doing my exams, and my arm looked like that, and I was walking around. Your 90 like degree angle. Yeah, 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 like that, walking around Blocked like that, so blocked in, yeah, so. Is that it, a true story, Ed? Yeah, that's a true yeah, story. Yeah, <laughs> Um... You know, but you live and learn, don't you? You know, I was a, you know, I was a boy then. And we're, both locked, myself, we're both so. locked. We're both locked at ninety, yeah, or just yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, just one. Just one. It's my white one. Yeah. Uh, the what? The right. The white one. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it, you know, it got in my way. Me being able to do a few things. Yeah. Um, 
you can figure out. Are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed, so oh, you can yeah, figure yeah, out yeah. what sort of uh, mm. you know boundaries. You know that kept me in, but yeah. you know it is quite what limiting it is. for yeah, a young man. Well, exactly, yeah. but you know yeah. when one doesn't work, you got to try and use the other. Exactly. But, um, well, yeah. you're a skillful lad these days, so well, you can exactly, offload yeah, out of yeah. both hands well, now. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Blessing so. in disguise. This is the Bedford Blues podcast. I managed to uh, corner Sean McCarthy um, uh, a, a couple of nights ago uh, down at training. Um, briefly before we hear from him, Sean McCarthy's your captain. Um, as good a man as you could get for the job? Definitely. One word. <laughs> Ships, the Admiral. No, the captain isn't the captain. What an idiot. What an idiot. He's done it again in life. <laughs> I've looked, Joe, he's the captain of our ship. His words will come from his actions. So he won't have to say a lot in a huddle, he won't have to say a lot to GS up. He he will lead from the front. So that's that's what you look to with a captain as well. Yeah, definitely he's uh, I mean if you look at taking the pre-season for example, all his fitness is through the roof. He's he's running with the backs and and uh, back row and just shows like one I think last season he was nigh on eighty minutes most games and stuff like that, which just shows he's got He's got an absolute engine and work ethic about him, which lads follow, and yeah, I think he's a yeah, great appointment. Well, let's hear what Sean McCarthy had to say. Hello, Sean. Uh, thank you for joining us on uh, the Bedford Blues podcast. And um, very briefly, um, a little chat about what happened over the summer with you and, and how it all came to be as far as um, captaincy. You are the new Bedford Blues club captain. Does it sound good when I say that? Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. I'm, I'm very proud of it. Um, it's something that when I first came to Bedford I didn't think you know I'd be looking at um it's sort of come up over the last sort of tail end of last year um as you know people move on and, and people retire we lost a fair few of our experienced players last year you know losing Dicko, losing Flanagan a few experienced players that left a bit of a hole and um yeah I picked up a few games at captain right at the tail end of the year and and it sort of led on from there really um and Mike gave me a ring towards the end of the summer um, just, to, just to get my thoughts on it and see where I stood and if I wanted it, which is obviously a pretty short conversation because you know, if you turn that sort of thing down, then you're probably not, <laughs> you're probably not the right man for the job. Um, but yeah, really, really honoured honored with it. And as regards captain and captain of a side, what, what goes into it? Because to a certain extent, there are, there are things that people understand what a captain does, and there are other things that perhaps behind the scenes you might not understand. Do you, do you bring your own sort of style? What sort of things are you expecting to get involved with? I mean, I'm planning. I don't really want to change much of, of what I've done previously. You know, as, I've, you, know, as you get a bit older, you, you generally become more of a leader in the teams you play in. And that's one of the main things, you know, me and Mike spoke, spoke about was... Um, you know, not trying to change who I am or, or the way I am around the squad and just continue to do what what I, what I was doing towards the tail end of last year and, you know, lead from within the group. Um, and any team that's successful has always got probably a spine of, of leaders within it. It's, it's never just one person in successful teams. So if you look around, I mean, it's, you know, there's Ed Taylor has captain the side numerous times. You've got Grayson Hart's got a lot of experience and... Will Hooley, when he's back, will bring you know wealth experience as well. So, yeah, it's it's always going to be a multi-person effort, and not 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 one person can do it on their own. And if they, you know, I don't think it would work in a team sport like rugby if one person tried to shoulder everything. I've asked many players this before, 
about Bedford Blues and what makes it the club that it is. Have you got any ideas as to why this club works in the way that it does and and why you were so quick to grab that captaincy and, 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 and go with it? Yeah, it's a tough one to put your finger on why it's such a special place to play. Um, but it is, I mean, people that come here to watch, you know, even if you if you don't know rugby that well, people always comment on what a great time they have, the atmosphere around the place and and how fun it is even after the game, you know, the stuff in the marquee. And, and I think it usually comes down to is it's an old-fashioned rugby club. You know, there's... In this in this professional era that you know we're in now even in the championship you go around and there's not many teams that still hold the same the values that you'd have probably seen you know 15 20 years ago in rugby where all the team are hanging around after the game having a beer chatting with the fans those sort of things and there's pros and cons to that you know if you've had a bad game you've got to you've got to get in the marquee and and take a bit of stick but at the same time it makes it makes the club a special place to be and somewhere that's not you know where players are never associated with the fans and they don't want to be so yeah definitely a special place now one of the first tasks I'm afraid I'm going to have to put you through is to be our first partaker in a little bit of a quiz now two boys are on the pod and they're going to try and guess your answers we're going to play inside outside and I'm going to ask you some questions about who you would put in your fantasy rugby team. I'm assuming you would place yourself... Well, actually, I'm going to tell you that you, you place yourself in your ultimate fantasy side. Right. You wear number one on your back. And therefore, I'm going to ask you who you would want inside and outside. You know, as a loose head, it's a little bit unusual because it's the only position alongside uh, fullback that, that sort of has to tail itself round. So the two positions that I would like you to choose are... Hooker, number two, and fullback, number 15. So, have a think about it. Right. Let's go with hooker right. first. Who would you choose in the number two shirt? If you could have a pick of any players. Now, the only stipulation is they must still be playing. So, who do you put in the number two shirt? So, we'll just stop that there. We've asked him the question, inside, outside. For the number two shirt, does Sean McCarthy choose Malcolm Marks, the South African hooker, does he choose Charlie Clare or does he choose Jamie George? Josh. My head's saying Malcolm Marks. My belly's saying Charlie Clare. I'm going with my head. Malcolm Marks, Malcolm Marks is. Lewis. Charlie Clare. Let's see what you said. I'd like to say Charlie Clare, but seeing as he's left Bedford twice now, I probably can't do that. Um, I mean, you look at the international Jamie George for the for the way the dynamism he brings. He's, a, he's obviously a, a very dynamic scrummager and powerful scrummager, but the way he can play around the field as well. I mean, you might not look it, but uh, yeah, he's 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 world class when it comes to being able to scrummage and also be out there in the wide channels doing his thing. So, sorry, Charlie, but yeah, Jamie George. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> How have we got that wrong? Oh. He, he mentioned Charlie Clare, but the, 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 the element of the fact that Charlie's now moved away from the Blues swayed Sean McCarthy. Well, that's what I thought, in my belly. Uh, there you go. Now, second question to him. Let's hear it. A bit more difficult, because these boys, this number 15 shirt, he's doing things out in the wide whilst you're at the coalface. Probably out in the wide as well, to be honest. <laughs> But who, in a World 15 invitation, Sean McCarthy 15, 
who fills the number 15 shirt for you? Rich Lane, does he select Cheslin Colby or does he select Anthony Watson? Lewis. Rich Lane's on fire. Rich Lane. Let's see what the answer is. That's easy. It's, you don't have to look further than our own Rich Lane. <laughs> Everyone knows he's on fire. I mean, it, sound, it sounds silly, but when someone's on a hot streak, like Lane has been the last couple of years, um, he could be playing a much higher level and you know I'm sure at some point he will be but he is fantastic and I'd always want him you know behind me standing at 15 fantastic do it, do it. it's an easy option <laughs> he'd be in my 15 as well yeah, to be fair. yeah third option <laughs> I wouldn't tell him that to his face though no you, you won't find out luckily so uh, no yeah because uh, this is only being broadcast to everyone so uh, <laughs> good stuff ah oh, there you go bit of inside outside and uh, good to hear from Sean McCarthy and um, what a season it's going to be and um, we're going to be doing a few more of these podcasts have you enjoyed yourselves boys yeah very much very much very much yeah, loved it. Good. Very new, very new. <laughs> hopefully we'll get a bit better at it. So. Yeah, I know. It's a bit panic, innit? Hopefully, I mean, hopefully I'll find the road. Let's choose somewhere without bamboos in the background. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing with the park in. It's just such a uh, beautiful place, like, revamped. I feel like I'm... Beautiful. And, mm. and a good le- a good mention, we've got the park in and the kitchen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> panic. Absolute panic. He's panic, Sam. Panic. Oh, uh, We're, we've been at the park inn and kitchen on the corner of Park, park oh, Jesus. <laughs> on the corner of Park Avenue and Kim Bolton Road, and it's been a lovely place. Thank you very much for uh, for having us today. It's been really good. This has been the Bedford Blues podcast. Uh, look after yourselves, and we'll see you again very soon. Thank you.